His wounds have paid my ransom. Let's pray. God, we thank you for um, sending Christ to be our ransom, Lord, and allowing us to see your goodness in the cross, allowing us to be able to sing of that and remind each other of the cross. Um, we pray that you are glorified for us this In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be seated. Because man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, please open your Bible to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Steve, am I, am I coming okay through the mic? I don't hear myself. Mike, hello. Mic test, is that better? Can you hear me now? Okay. Luke 15, verses 1 through 10. We're going to look at Luke 15 this week and Luke 15 next week, and we are going to consider the heart of God, particularly God's heart for the lost. Three very famous parables, popularly known as the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost or prodigal son. Let me read to you Luke 15 verses 1 through 10. And then we will pray. Hear then the word of the Lord. All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. And the Pharisees and scribes were complaining. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them? So he told them this parable. What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the ninety-nine in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? When he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who don't need repentance. Or what woman who has ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she finds it, she calls her women, friends, and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found the silver coin I lost. I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you again that you speak clearly in your word. We praise you that you are a happy God, that you are a rejoicing God, that you are a God who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We praise you that you're not an indifferent God. You're not a grumpy or cranky God who sits up there with his arms crossed, disappointed because we could never get it right. We thank you, Father, that you're rather that dad who picks us up, the dad who encourages us, the dad who, yes, sometimes rebukes us, but always so that we might not get lost. 
we love you, Father. And we just sang of how deep your love was for us in the cross of Christ. And now as we think about these words in this text, we pray that you would give us eyes to see your glory, wonderful things in this word. Incline our our hearts to your testimony, not to dishonest gain. And turn our eyes from looking at empty things and give us life rather in your ways. According to your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, there was a complaint against Jesus in this passage in verses 1 and 2, and you see it very clearly. Jesus is, it says, when Jesus is teaching, all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders, were complaining, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. A few people you need to understand culturally before you understand the text. You need to know what a tax collector is, you need to know what a sinner is, and you need to know what a Pharisee and scribe is. Okay, so what is a tax collector? It's not just merely those who extort. It is That is partly what they do, but it's not just, oh, I could have charged you $100, I charge you $500, and I pocket $400. Yes, that could be part of it, but that's not the main thing that got under the skin of the Jews. It was that they were doing that in cooperation with those who were oppressing their own people, raping their women, killing their fathers and sons, oppressing them, arbitrarily exercising power and brute force at times, war and conquering colonies is an ugly thing if you're the oppressed people, often. And you have people from your own ethnic people groups siding with them to not only rob you of your money, but betray your people. Tax collectors were the worst of the worst. I I think even as, as I think about what a tax collector is, There's anger that rises up in me, just that that they would do such things, but that's what they did. That's what a tax collector was. They were hated among the Jewish populace. Then you have sinners here. Now you're saying, I know what a sinner is. I know Romans 3.23, for all have what? Sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So who's a sinner? Everyone. And so we just think, yeah, we're all sinners. And that's true. Biblically, yes, we're all sinners. That's not what they're talking about here. Sinners here was a category for a, a section of the society that, that lived scandalous lives. People you would not want to be caught publicly with. Okay, this could be prostitutes. Uh, it, it, just imagine Jesus eating with pimps, sex traffickers who kidnap people and then sell them for money over and over again, robbing them of their innocence and youth. Drug dealers today, prey on the addicted for the next dollar. I already mentioned prostitutes. Imagine Jesus eating with ISIS affiliates. Maybe not ISIS soldiers themselves, though that could also be the case, but affiliates who work for them and help help do some of the, the, the other work for them that they need, some errands that they need to run. Imagine Jesus eating with them. And we could say liquor store owners. It's a bit milder after you say ISIS affiliates. Movie producers from the pornography industry who, you know, San Fernando Valley here in L.A. being the capital of pornography in the world. Imagine Jesus eating with a bunch of those producers. This is the kind of people you don't, you don't mix with. You don't eat with these people. Not these sinners. Yes, we're all sinners, but there's sinners and then there's sinner sinners, you know. And that's what they are. 
and Jesus is eating with them. And so the Pharisees are complaining. Now, when we think of Pharisee, we automatically think a bad thing, right? And that's because we've been trained to read our New Testaments. And they're generally portrayed as the bad guys in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But Pharisees memorized the scripture. I mean, these guys were more spiritual than the most spiritual in our churches. They memorized the Torah. Have you memorized 50 chapters of Genesis? Maybe just one? I mean, how many of us actually read through all five books? You know, we do our Bible reading in the beginning of the year. You get to Leviticus. You start staggering. I don't know if I'm going to make it through Leviticus. You get to Numbers, and then you just tap out, and you just, you know, let me go to the Gospel of Mark. It's a lot easier. But these guys, they they tried to obey, and they had rules upon rules to make sure they didn't disobey God's word. And so these are the men who are trying to honor God. They're trying to obey God. They're trying to keep God's word. And here's Jesus, the supposed Messiah, this most popular teacher, and he's hanging out with the sinners and the traitors and the tax collectors and maybe those that have violated some of your own family members. And here he is eating with them. Now, why did Jesus do such things? Well, he gives us two stories here. He gives us three stories. We'll cover two stories this week. Next week, we'll cover the, the, the next story. He gives, us, he gives three parables to answer it. So here they are complaining about Jesus. By the way, if Jesus came to seek and save the lost, I'm giving away the answer somewhat, if you were lost, wouldn't you be happy that he came to save you? Were the Pharisees happy? Were the scribes happy? No. It is, I almost want to say impossible. <laughs> Um, Brother Jim said something to me earlier. Someone asked me, how am I doing? And I said, better than I deserve, so I can't complain. And <laughs> Jim said, well, you know, there, there are times where people can complain. That's true. But one of the things, you know, what does Philippians 2.14 say? Do all things without murmuring or grumbling or disputing. Part of it is that it's hard to be thankful and complaining at the same time. It's, I want to say it's, I want to say it's impossible, but because I can't know that for sure, I just want to say it's almost impossible. I'll leave a little bit of leeway that it's, it, there might be some possibility. But I know for me personally, if I go there, I can't, I just can't be, I wouldn't be happy. I'd be just more of the, Jesus, what are you doing here? Really, come on, Jesus. Like, there's so many sinners. Like, do you have to really go to these sinners? So Jesus gives us a parable here to help us to understand his heart. Let's look at, so we have two pictures here, and that's our outline, picture one and picture two. They're, they have the same point. Two pictures to one point. Here, picture number one, verse three. He tells them this parable. What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? The answer there to that question is, who does that? Everyone does that, is the point. If you value your sheep, you do that. And he doesn't stop until when? According to verse four. Until what? Until he finds it. So it's not just a, oh, let me look out real quick, tippy-toe. Let me stand on two of my sheep, right? Get some balance here. Uh, no sheep in that direction, right? And you just look around really quick. Oh, I guess there's no sheep. And then you just go back in. That's not, that's not this shepherd. He's going to keep looking and keep looking and keep looking until he finds it. He's desperate and he's motivated. Similar to not when you drop a quarter and you might look for it for a few seconds, but more like when you lose a kid at an amusement park. 
right? <laughs> you lose a kid at an amusement park, you're not saying, ah, I can't find rock. Ah, I got three others. We got one on the way. Hopefully it's a boy, right? Um, that's not how it works in parenting. You're, you don't need to motivate me to find my child at Disneyland if I lost one. The motivation is just there, right? That's what it's like with the shepherd. He's, lo- he's missing a sheep. You don't have to push him to chase the sheep. He loves them. He is gone and he won't stop until he finds the sheep. And when he does, verse 5, he puts the sheep on his shoulders. He joyfully puts it on his shoulders. I imagine if I was a shepherd, which I'm not, like I'm a pastor, but like a shepherd of actual sheep, um, I would not joyfully put the sheep on my shoulders. I'd be complaining. You dumb sheep, why'd you get lost? You know, you're wasting all my time. And Get over here, maybe beating the sheep as, I mean, as a shepherd. But here, he joyfully, so happy he found it, puts the sheep on his shoulders and just huge smile from ear to ear, walking home. So happy that, what does he do in verse 6? Coming home, what does he do? He calls his friends, he calls his neighbors together. Hey, I'm PJ, what's your name? Just introducing himself to neighbors, though they probably knew their neighbors a lot better. I'm sure some of you remember the day when you used to know all of your neighbors, right? Those days are long gone. Hopefully we could bring that back. But So he goes to his neighbors and says, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. He throw, wants to throw a party. And then Jesus gives a point in verse 7 that I tell you in the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. That's picture number one. By the way, two, two side notes on this before we go to the second picture, side note number one, you think, well, what, did that, what happened to the 99? If you leave the 99 to go to the one, aren't the 99 in danger? Can't they be taken over by a wolf in the open field? Answer is yes. So doesn't he care about the 99? Yes, he does. But here's the point with parables. With parables, you don't push the parable all the way to every single detail. Parables are meant to tell, to tell one general point and not to be pushed to walk on all fours. Does that make sense? I remember getting in an argument with someone in Israel who was, uh, when I was studying there for four months, where he said, you know, where it says, the kingdom of God is like a pearl. And he was saying, we just need to study every aspect of a pearl. Because if we study every aspect of a pearl, we'll know everything about the kingdom. So the kingdom must be pearly white. It must be round. It must be, you know, and he's like, everything we can find out about a pearl, there's a correspondence to the kingdom. I'm like, that's not the point. It's valuable. You sell it to get the pearl of great price. That's the point. It's, it's not complicated. He's not expecting people to be pearl scholars. Just It's obvious in the marketplace. Pearls are worth something. The kingdom of God is worth something. Buy it. Sell everything you have to get it. It's obvious, right? Same thing here. Obvious point. It's not about, the, well, what about the 99? The point is he loves the one and he goes after the individual. God loves every single person. When we read John 3, 16, it says, God so loved the world. It's not just the world as a whole, but individuals, every individual in the world. God loves them all, individually, uniquely, for who they are uniquely. Amen. And so, that's part of God's heart. Now here, one more thing on it before we move to the second picture. Verse 7 I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't repent, who don't need repentance. That's not saying, because, you know, I used to read that verse and think, oh man, God's not happy with me anymore because I've been saved for a long time. Like he rejoiced way back in the day when I got saved and now he doesn't even care about me anymore. He just wants all the new ones. 
right? I mean, that's how I used to read this. Like, well, I'm, I guess I'm one of the 99 now that he's not happy about. But that's not what he means. When he says righteous here, you could almost put quotations next to it. The 99 righteous people who, quote unquote, don't need repentance. Now, does everyone need to repent? Everyone who's a sinner needs to repent. But there are some who think they don't. And so go to Luke 5. Just keep your finger there in Luke 15. Luke 5, Jesus says it here as well. We covered this in Mark, but we're in Luke. So we'll look at Luke's version. Again, this is a picture of Matthew, the disciple, when he ate with him as a tax collector in his house. But look at Luke 5.31. Jesus replied to them, the healthy don't need a what? A doctor or physician. Who needs a doctor? The sick do. I haven't come to call the quote-unquote righteous, I have but sinners to repentance. Does that mean that there are righteous people who don't need salvation? No, that's not his point. There is none righteous, no, not one. That's not the point. The point is that the, the, they're complaining he's eating with sinners. They don't think they need repentance. So Jesus is saying, I've come to call the sick. If you don't think you're sick, what can I do to help? I can't because you don't believe you need me. And if, you're, if you don't believe you need repentance because you're a sinner, then maybe you don't need me in, in a sense, though I have come for you. So righteous there is in quotes. It's not that God doesn't care about the 99. He's just saying if, they're, if the 99 don't think they need repentance, God's not happy that they think they're righteous. He's more happy in the one who actually realizes he's unrighteous and repents than over 99 people who are self-justified and confident in their own lifestyle or religion. Okay, so there's the happy shepherd. That's picture one, the happy shepherd. Picture number two, I'm renaming these parables, the happy woman. So it's not the parable of the lost sheep, it's the parable of the happy shepherd. And now it's the parable, not of the lost coin, but the happy woman. Verse eight, or what woman who has 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. When she finds it, she calls her women and friends, her women, friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me because I found the silver coin I lost. You know what that's like, right? There's certain things in your house. I do this all the time. My books are still not organized. And when the master's college kids come, they will organize it by author. But um, when, when, I, when there's a book that I, that I want to recall, I can't find it in my library because it's all... And so like it just... Sometimes it'll freeze me for 20 or 30 minutes just be like, I know the book is here somewhere. I got to find this book. And it becomes all consuming and I can't concentrate on the next thing I need to do. You know, my kids, when they have a certain toy that they're looking for, mom, dad, where's the toy? I don't know. 10 seconds later, mom, dad, where's the toy? And it just, they keep, it, it consumes them because it's really valuable to them in that moment. Well, here's something that's really valuable. This is a woman who only has 10 silver coins. She seems to be poor because she needs to light a lamp, meaning she doesn't have daylight to go into the house, which means that she's probably poor. Maybe she's a widow who doesn't have a husband who can support her. And back then, it's not like today with retirement and all these social programs. If you don't have um, a husband or a male family member to care for you, you're going to be very poor. And so when you lose one coin, that's not just one night, that's not one one hundredth, like one sheep out of a hundred. This is one out of ten coins. This is ten percent of all your all your life savings. That's a big deal. And so she passionately looks, she sweeps the house, turns everything upside down, she finds the coin, and of course, she celebrates. So let's look at what, what is what's in common between these two celebrations. So you have the happy shepherd, you have the happy woman, and they're both pointing to the happy God. 
the happy Savior who came to seek and save the lost. What do we learn about their celebration? Well, from verse 5, we learn that the happy shepherd joyfully puts the the sheep on his shoulders. So even though there's work involved in bringing someone back, he's still happy about it because it's a good work. In verse 6, he calls his friends and neighbors to rejoice. In verse 9 as well, friends and neighbors. So the happy woman, the happy shepherd, the happy God is so enthusiastic, so happy that he likes to celebrate it with others. Isn't that what we do when we celebrate something? We call others to celebrate it with us. Rejoice with those who rejoice. That, that's natural. When you love something so much, you have to share it. You don't have to obligate someone to share good news. You're just happy about it, right? Um, and now with social media, Facebook, Twitter, and things like that, you can find out with big cultural, political things that go on, you could see reaction right away of people happy, and no one's forcing them to write about it. It's just they're either happy or, or not about it. So, so here, they, he called, they call their friends to rejoice. They share it. And then look at verse 7. Jesus says, I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. So where's the joy? In where? In heaven. Who's in heaven? God. Who's rejoicing? Well, maybe you say God and the angels. Look at verse, verse 10. I tell you in the same way there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. Who's rejoicing in verse 10? The angels, we normally think. Then you read it again. And then it says, I tell you in the same way there is joy, where? In the presence of the angels. So wherever the angels are, somebody's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. Who's that? God. Now, that's not to say the angels don't rejoice, but it's pointing to the fact that even in the presence of angels, who's happier than all the angels? God is. And in their presence, they have a, a God who is jumping for joy in gladness when a sinner trusts in Jesus and repents from their sins. This is the happy God who loves when sinners get saved. Hebrew, or let me, let me give you uh, three verses on this before we close. Look at Zephaniah 3.17. If you could find that, it's at the back of your Old Testament, right before Matthew. It's um, Zephaniah. It's a really hard book to find, three chapters. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai. So between Haggai and Habakkuk. Between the two H's. Zephaniah chapter 3. It's okay if you can't turn there, just listen. Faith comes by hearing, right? Zephaniah 3, 17. Now I'm going to read it in my translation, but I really want someone else to read it in theirs. So, because I I think my translation misses something here. Yahweh your God is among you. This is God saving his people. He's among you. A warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will bring you quietness with his love. He will delight in you with shouts of joy. Someone have a different translation? Barbara? Okay, King Jimmy, go. He will he will joy over you with what at the end? What does that sound like? Can you imagine God singing over His people? We have a singing God. Isn't that amazing? He's so happy. He can't help but sing. 
Sinner repents. The church is growing. They're following Christ. They're turning from sin. They're repenting. They're, they're, they're pursuing Christ. They're making Christ known. And what is God doing? He's singing over them. We're not the only ones singing here tonight. God sings over His people with joy and gladness. What will that sound like when we get to heaven? To hear God the Father singing over us, not because we're so holy in and of ourselves, but because God made us holy in Christ. We ought to sing with joy. If if God sings with joy, and we're trying to be godly, we ought to sing with joy. Hebrews 12.2 says this about Jesus. Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Jesus went to the cross. Was it hard for him? It's the hardest thing that anyone's ever done. Let this cup pass from me. Yet at the same time, when he says, not my will but yours be done, it wasn't like he was grumpy and begrudging. It was still for the joy that was set before him. We have a happy God, the Father. We have a happy Son and Savior who, yes, it's hard to go to the cross. Yes, he's going to bear the wrath of God for sins, but he does it still for the joy that's set before him. There's a happiness to God in saving sinners because sinners who are saved glorify who? God. They join the celebration because glorifying God is not a grumpy thing. It's a happy thing. It's a glad thing. It's a smiley thing. It's a thankful, gratitude type thing. 1 Timothy 1.11 calls God the happy God, the blessed God. In 1 Timothy 1.11, God rejoices over saved sinners forever. What does he say when, you're, when, you're, when you've done well? Well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. Isn't that amazing? Entering into heaven is called entering into the joy of God. Welcome to the party. Welcome to the celebration. Where, where you live in this new heavens and new earth, you are entering into the joy of God. Because he's a happy God. Because he saves sinners through Jesus Christ, his son. So we are from Luke 15, the happy shepherd, the happy woman. We are to be encouraged by the happiness of God. And we are to be challenged. I confess... Let me confess, just sin on my own heart. My heart is not as happy as, as this. I'm rebuked when I read Luke 15 this week. God, my heart is, yes, I get happy when people get saved, but not like this. I want to be happy like this. I want to cry over sinners like God cries over sinners. I want to rejoice over, over repentant people the way God rejoices over repentant people. I want the heart of God, and I want our church to have the heart of God. That's why he gave us Luke 15. To share his heart, to transform our hearts. God, make our hearts like yours. If you go to the end of Luke, in Luke 22, he says, Father, forgive them when he's hanging on the cross, for they what? Know not what they do. And then he says to the man who's next to him, the criminal, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Why? Why can there be forgiveness? Why can there be paradise for sinners? Because Jesus dies for us, and he rises from the dead. He seeks us. To save us by dying for us and rising for us. That's the gospel. If you're not a Christian, that's the gospel. Trust in the fact that Jesus Christ came to live for you, to die for you and rise for you. Repentance is an open invitation. Faith is an open invitation. It's not God wagging his finger at you saying, come on, jump through this hoop. I know you can do it. You better do it. No. God is like, and we'll get to this next week, he's like the prodigal son's father at the doorstep. You going to repent? Are they going to repent? Is today the day? Are they coming? He sees you coming from far away. And what does he do? 
He runs. He loves it. He's not trying to make people feel guilty. He wants to celebrate. That's the heart of God. And that ought to be our heart. We have to, we have to be encouraged by that. So that's, what I, that's the main challenge is, God, make our hearts like your heart. Give us a love for sinners, whether it's the sinner sinners or less sinner sinners. Give us a heart for them the way you have a heart for them. Help us to rejoice at repentance and faith in Jesus. So I will close with, with saying share the gospel. Let me give you two reasons why you should share the gospel. Besides the fact that you need to have God's heart. Here's why you need to share the gospel this week with people. Christian or non-Christian. You need, especially non-Christian. Why do you need to share the gospel with them? Number one, 1 Timothy 2.4, God desires who to be saved. All men to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy 2.4. So share the gospel because God loves for all sinners. He wants all sinners to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. Now I'm going to give you a verse that almost sounds like the opposite, but it's not the opposite. They're both in the Bible. Okay, God desires all men to be saved. Now go to Acts 18. As we close, you're in Luke, go to Acts. Luke, or Luke also wrote the book of Acts. Acts 18.9. Why else should you share the gospel? Because God wants everyone to be saved. Why else should you share the gospel? Because here, Paul is being persecuted in Corinth, and he's thinking about leaving. But look at Acts 18, verse 9. Then the Lord said to Paul again in the night, vision, don't be afraid, but keep on what? Speaking. Speaking what? The gospel, right? Speaking the word. Speaking the gospel and don't be silent. Why? For I'm with you. So that's good. No one will lay a hand on you. I'll protect you. And because of what? End of verse 10. Why? I have many people in the city. So I have people that I've appointed to get saved. Go to one more on Acts. Acts 13, 48. Acts 13, 48. We, we have to talk the way the Bible talks on both sides. Acts 13, 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced and glorified the message of the Lord and all who had been what? Appointed to what? People who had been appointed to eternal life did what? Believed. Does God want all men to be saved? Yes, 1 Timothy 2, 4. Does God appoint people who are going to be saved? And he says, keep preaching the gospel in the city because I have many more in the city who are going to be saved? Yes. So those are two reasons to preach the gospel. And some people say, pick a side. I'm not going to pick a side. They're both in the Bible. So I'll say both. Share the gospel because God wants everyone to be saved. Share the gospel because he's appointed people to be saved. Share the gospel. Share the gospel. Share the gospel with God's heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us a word about your heart. Lord, we feel the disjunction between your heart and our heart. We want to have your heart for sinners. We want to have your heart for the church family. We want to have your heart for our neighbors and for the lost. Thank you, Father, that you rejoice over us, not because we're so beautiful, but because you make us beautiful in Christ. Thank you that you rejoice over sinners, that you're enthusiastic as we repent, that you came, you sent your son to come to seek and save the lost. Help us, Father, to have your heart. Forgive us for the parts of our heart that are still callous and hard. Change me, change us to have this happy, joyful, great commission heart for our neighbors, our friends, our family, and the ethnic people groups of 
the whole world. We want to glorify you. We want to enjoy you. Thank you that you want all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Thank you that you have appointed some to believe and you and you want us to, to share the gospel with everyone. So thank you for both of those truths. And we pray that we would reflect your heart. Transform us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We are going to um, move to prayer time for those who might be sticking around for prayer. It's been a long day, I understand, if some of you go with the business meeting as well. But um, for those who are staying for prayer, we're going to pray and then we'll close with a song or two that's on your song sheet. Okay? So, let's start. Do we have the microphones ready? Microphones somewhat ready? We'll start in a minute, okay? Do you have a copy of Richard's letter? Sorry. Richard, Richard Jarman. Jonelle's husband? No, I have that. That's an old one. The one I was talking about today is Richard Jarman, the moderator. Okay, you, I'd like a copy of that. Okay, I have it on email. Can I um, print it for you? And I could email it to you, and I could print it on Wednesday. It's on the email? It's on the email. Well, I didn't send it yet, oh, but okay. I could send it to you. Okay. Okay, I'll do that. Okay. Sorry. Did you turn it off? It's it's on still. I just dropped it, though. My test. Oh, there we are. Okay, brothers and sisters, let us encourage one another. It's a command from the Lord. Ten things we're thankful for. Who wants to thank God for something? Raise your hand. Pam, pass the mic. Your baby is healthy. And PJ's guess is that it is a boy. But we don't know yet. But it's a boy. Okay. Praise the Lord. Okay, Carol, right here. John? Virginia Cook. Okay. So we will put Virginia Cook on the prayer list John Lee is passing out the prayer list. While he's doing that, okay, other... So, let me just put her on now. We have nine more things, at least, to be thankful for before we revisit Virginia Cook's health. Nine more things to praise God for. Praise God, you took out... Yeah, they had visitors in church. Their names are... Chris and Bethany. Okay. Praise God for that. Young married couple, only been married three weeks. Yeah. Maybe they'll come to our marriage class. Actually, we were the second church on their list to visit. But the church, the first church, which is in Torrance, Lighthouse Church, I know the pastor there as well. He's affiliated with, uh, he graduated from Talbot, but he's affiliated with Masters. Wait, no, I don't know. Anyways, um, but they had a 9 o'clock service and an 11, and they wanted to go to the early one, and they missed that, so they came here. So praise God for that, you know. Okay, eight more things to thank God for. Marianne, here's the mic. Good, healthy grandbaby. Oh, two, weeks, two weeks ago. Okay, praise the Lord. And um, my son, I just talked to him a couple of hours ago, and his infected toe is getting better, so can keep on praying. Okay. That's a, a praise God for that infected toe. Okay, seven more. Seven more. Who's next? Raise your hand. Get the mic so people can hear you. Dad. Carrie, did you have your hand too? Uh, 
You're scratching. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> I had our roof uh, renovated this week, and I was afraid of the coming rain, so I told the roofers to please finish it before before. Before the, right, and they did finish it yesterday afternoon. Praise God, praise praise the Lord for that. I saw some. We got roofers here on our block. I don't know if you drive past the back, but they're working this morning because they, yeah, that that thing was tore up. Okay, uh, six more. John Lee and Brandon, you guys got mics, so you got to say something. Who wants to thank God first in everything? Started about to say my old high school. Praise the Lord. Okay, five more, Brandon. I could just call on people, you know. You have to be thankful for something. Go, Brandon. Yeah, to uh, spend the day today with uh, DJ and Francis McKidd and uh, John and Aaron and Sam and uh, the Bynes. So uh, that was that was just had a good time. Um, just sharing the day, eating together, and talking. About and cutting the tree. Brandon is in charge of our. He's the one. He's the admin guy. He's he's the heading up our next barbecue event. So he's handling, he's coordinating all the details for our October 16th barbecue. So he's been working on the lights, cut down the tree, some of the branches so that neighbors could not get whacked in the head with thorns and stuff. So um, it was pretty bad before. It's all my fault. Okay, five more. Five more things to thank God. Carrie, or Ken and then Carrie. Okay, praise God for uh, Aaron to have tonight because uh, they just did a great uh, music service and uh, I just appreciate it. Yeah, praise God. Well, they're, they're going to close us with two more songs at the end, okay? If, well, depending on how, how we get through this. So, four more. Thank you, Ken. Oh, sorry, Carrie. Uh, I want to get points in heaven, but I'm going to thank God for our pastor. <laughs> <laughs> for Pastor's Appreciation Month. Did you know it's Pastor's Appreciation Month? That's why you did it, huh? Uh, yeah. Even though you're not really my pastor. Yes, I know. I'm praying. Yeah. Lord, please let me be Carrie's pastor. <laughs> and Connie's pastor. All right. Three more. Mom. Yeah, I just want to praise and thank the Lord for a good Christian fellowship yesterday at Alan Jean's house. Yeah. It was just wonderful. I had a wonderful... Good, good. Yeah. Okay. Do we have two more or one more? I lost my count. Let's go two more. Air on the good side. Two more. I'll share the last one. So one more and then I'll share. Okay. Connie. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, um, I'll share the last. And I have like maybe five or six blessings. I'll just share as quickly as I can some. So I'm thankful for the LASBA letter that we're going to be able to put out tomorrow. That's huge. I thought our business meeting went fairly well. I want to praise God that um, that even in, even in voting and it's not being unanimous, that there's peace and order. I think that's huge. And I think that's part of a healthy church. You know, um, I think when it's always yes, 100% all the time, then... That's not, that's not always a healthy thing. Some people think that's healthy. That's not always a healthy thing. And I want to praise God specifically for Pastor Merle after he came up to me and was giving me some of the reasons why he voted no on some of the transfers. And I think he has good reasons for it. I just, you know, and so I just, 
I appreciate the thoughtfulness, you know, with, with which we're caring for each member. That's what we need to do, which is why the list matters is because we need to be thoughtful. We're caring for each other. We're a family. You know, we're not just friends. We're actually family. Okay. And so that, that, that means something. And so anyways, I was just really encouraged by, by the meeting. Okay. Those are for, um, those, let me assign some of these prayer requests. And then if you have more to add, get your pens ready. But let me assign some of these. Aaron, I'm going to ask if you can pray for number number three. Aaron, if you can pray for number three. Uh, the six families there, you don't have to mention them by name, but um, yeah, there's six, fa- or six people, th- five, four family units who might be joining our church or thinking about it. So pray for that. Um, if you could also pray just in light of our business meeting, that those who transfer, that the other churches will have wisdom and clear communication going on there. Okay, um, let's see. Um, Ken, I'm going to ask you to pray for number one and number two, our teaching and preaching ministry. Very important that God answers these prayers. You can teach faithfully in a church and the church not grow, just so you know. Uh, and, and even people don't repent or get affected. You could plant seeds and they could bounce off. God's spirit has to work through the word. And prayer is our way of saying, God, we... I'm trying to stand where it's not... That's one of you guys. Um, God, prayer is our way of saying every week, you're saying, why do we keep praying for the preaching? Because we're telling God and we're telling each other that unless God moves, it's in vain. Okay, so that's very important. We pray for the word or else the church is stuck in the water. Okay, number four, health issues. I will be praying for the health issues of our members there. And I'll include... Um, Virginia Cook and Marianne's son's toe. Your, your son's name again? Uh, my son's name is Chris. Chris, okay. Chris. Great. And it's not just his toe. He still has the tendonitis, and that is actually worse. Okay. And that's affecting him uh, not being able to work on Monday. Okay. And he's a Christian, professing Christian, right? Great. Pam's pinched nerve. That's right. Pinch nerve, take care of the boy in the womb. Pinch nerve, okay, good. All right. Uh, let's see, we're on number five. Who's representing us at the thing? Pat is not here. Tony's not here. So, John, you're going to have to pray for number five. The LASBA meeting, lead us. We're all going to pray, but you're leading in it. By the way, when we pass the mic, we're all praying together. It's just one leader leading the prayer, but we're all praying together. So, John, lead us in praying for LASBA. You know what's going on there, brother, so you'll know how to pray. Number six, other churches. Now, I just met two brothers from these two churches. One is an associate pastor. The other one's just a member. But whenever I meet other brothers and churches, I want to pray for their churches with our church family. So, New Life Church in Artesia. Actually, I'll have um, Brother Steve. Can you pray for number six? Those two churches? Okay. I don't know much about the churches. I just met brothers. Whatever a godly biblical church is, let's pray that for them. Okay? Um, Number seven, government leaders. Government leaders. Second Timothy, or first Timothy tells us to pray for our government leaders, all of our government leaders, even if it's a Roman emperor who's calling to worship him. That's Paul's day. Okay, government leaders. Brandon, did I give you one? Brandon, can you pray for our government leaders, please? 
I got Steve step over here. Okay. Theological education in Uganda. We did our considering membership class this morning, and we were talking about what does it mean to be part of the Southern Baptist Convention? Part of it means that we support missionaries, and not only with our money, but in prayer. So this is from our convention's uh, report. So let me read it to you. Theological education in Uganda. Let me have... um, Mom? Did I give you one yet, Mom? Okay. I'll give you this one. Last month, you prayed for teams, you, those on IMB website, prayed for teams going out to Uganda Baptist Seminary to recruit new students from various parts of East Africa. I think we prayed for that here in our church. Praise God that the teams found large networks of believers in places where Uganda Baptist Seminary students and graduates live and serve. Our UBS students have been faithfully evangelizing, discipling new believers, and starting new churches. And they have encouraged many more church leaders to come to UBS study, by the, or UBS to study. By the way, Africa is really booming right now with, with the spread of the gospel, just so you're aware. This was a great encouragement to our faculty members as they traveled and talked with future students of UBS. Praise God that his word is spreading throughout East Africa through the ministries of U, um, Uganda Baptist Seminary students and graduates. So that's more of a prayer of praise. Just thanking God. Let's keep praying for their work. There's a lot of good things going on in Africa. There's a lot of false teaching spreading there as well. Prosperity gospel. So let's pray for faithful graduates to teach the word faithfully. Okay? Let's see. Number nine. Dad, I'm going to ask you to pray for number nine. This is a family of a Christian leader who died after imprisonment in Laos. A Christian leader, Mr. Tiang, died on September 20th. What's the date today? October 4th, so two weeks ago. He died two weeks ago of complications from diabetes, which worsened while he was in in prison in Laos. Mr. Tiang was imprisoned in June 2014, along with four others for treating a person without an official medical license, causing her to die. Mr. Tiang spent more than nine months in prison without receiving any medical treatment for his diabetes. Upon his release in March 2015, so what's that, six, seven, eight, nine months later, he was immediately taken to the hospital, and then from March to September, what's that, six more months? He died six months later. Pray, this is what's heartbreaking for me. Pray for his wife, Bao, and six adult children who may face continued pressure from authorities. Our brothers and sisters in Laos, let's pray for the, the persecuted church there. Keep them in mind when you have trials in your own life. Not to say that your trials aren't real, just keep it in perspective. Okay, other prayer requests to add to this list. We have a lot of open space there. Anyone want to add? John? Okay. Okay, John's Bible study. Do we have a volunteer to pray for that? Pam, thank you. John's Bible study. I'm going to add to that. Also pray for our barbecue on October 16th. Pray for Brandon. Um, very excited. He's first time heading up um, and leading it, so pray for wisdom there as well. Okay? And pray for non-Christians to come. We want to spread the gospel. Okay. Reflect God's heart for the lost. Mom. Um, pray for me as well. Uh, this semester, I'm going to do um, mentoring. So I'll be mentoring one of them. Okay, so discipleship, sort of, okay? Discipleship of an APU student, volunteer to pray for that. 
You can take more than one if you've already got one. Ken, thank you. Okay. Ken will lead us in praying for your discipleship. Anything else? Pam. Okay. 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 So, two things: job and moving closer to share life and share Jesus with our church family, with the lost here. Who wants to pray for that? Prayer, prayer volunteer, Brandon. Okay. Thank you. Good. Other prayer requests. Mm-hmm. The baby is not getting enough nourishment in the womb. The doctor is going to start labor on Tuesday. So be praying for that. Okay. Starting labor on Tuesday. Daughter's name is? Uh, Stacy. Stacy. Great. I'll, I'll do that since I'm praying for your son as well. Good. Other prayer requests? I have some that I'll share next week because I'm preaching at Master's College. That couple who came, I preached at the Master's College um, four or five years ago. Do you guys remember the group that came from Master's? Brendan and Rebecca and them? Anyways, they came from that. Dan Gardner joined our church from there. She remembers the chapel message, so that encouraged me and puffed up my pride. The guy has no idea who I was, though he was there, so that brought me back down. So I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember anything about your sermon, but I was there, you know, so praise the Lord. Good. Thank you, Lord. So anyways, I'm going to be doing the same thing Monday, Wednesday, chapel next week. So that's not my prayer request for this week. My prayer request for this week is, I don't know if you know this, but John is a pastoral intern at our church. We're trying to have a ministry in this church, ideally where we have several pastors and we have several pastoral interns who are trying to figure out what does it mean to be a pastor? What does it mean to help a church grow in health? And we want them to be trained because you know who trains pastors? It's not the seminaries, it's the churches. It's a church's job. When you edify each other, you pray for each other, and you rebuke one another, and you restore one another, and you evangelize together, that's what trains a pastor to do his work. The church does it. Not the sem- seminary helps with some Greek and Hebrew and specializing, but the church and pastors are the ones who shape future pastors. So you have a job as a member with John and with any pastoral intern. So I, I just want to pray for that internship in particular, um, that John would, would be shaped by our church um, in good ways, not in bad ways. For, um, for future pastoral ministry, if the Lord wills. Who's praying for John's Bible study? Pam was, can you just add that? Just growth in pastoring training, pastoral training. The internship, just pray for a good internship. Okay, I think that's it. Do we have any more? Going once. Going twice. Brandon. Yeah, can you pray for my reading of the Bible Okay. Name? Ken, can I have you do this because you're praying for my mom's discipling ministry? His name's Adrian. Adrian. So Brandon discipling Adrian. Great. Okay. So Ken, thank you for praying for those two discipleship relationships. Anything else? 
By the way, Brandon reads the Bible. You and AJ. AJ is another brother from First Baptist Church of Hacienda Heights. I know him as well and his, his wife. But you guys read the Bible with Christians and non-Christians like every break and lunch, right? It's just like I have a Bible reading table and coworkers come and they read the Bible with them. Then they share the gospel with non-Christians. Christians just talk about God and then they're done with lunch and they go back to work. So they just kind of have this table set up for Bible reading for coworkers. You know, it's great. So Ken will be praying for that ministry. Good. Okay. Looks like those are all the prayer requests we have for tonight. God is good, isn't he? God is good. And it's good to pray to him. So let's pray and then we'll sing. John, you could start with your prayer request over here. Brandon on this side. And then we'll pass the mic around. I'll close us in prayer and then we'll close with song. Let's pray. truly that we would be able to be God-centered in all that we do. Um, I pray that, that we would be able to reform the association towards faithfulness and health, that we would have a spirit of unity that's rooted in biblical truth and holiness, that, uh, that we would be able to be slow to anger
Father, we praise, Lord, this evening for the preaching of Mark uh, 9, uh, 14 through 29 in the morning, Sunday, coming Sunday morning, and Luke 15, 11 through 32 in the evening. Lord, we ask that you be with DJ through this week as he prepares the messages that you would have him to bring. Um, be with our other teaching times on Wednesday. Sunday school at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. Lord, we ask you that you would develop more teachers for the youth, um, that you would be with them as they uh, teach the children, be with the teachers of the adult classes as they uh, prepare and uh, deliver their uh, lessons on Sunday morning. Uh, Lord, we ask you to be with uh, Yoli as she is now mentoring a student at uh, Lord, that uh, you would uh, 